Welcome, welcome to the second episode of The Elephant Room. Today, we are going to be talking about blackness. What is blackness? Where was blackness 400 years ago? What is it now? And what is blackness going to look like 400 years from now? My name is uh, Mike Truth, the Nomad, a.k.a. Boogie McCab, but today you guys can call me Boogie. And um, I, I'd like to thank um, Get Vocal for this platform, Indie Radio, Kinte, and my co-host um, LA is going to be joining us a bit later on today. So um, I, I welcome you all, Shannon, Sybil, and everybody else that's definitely in the room. Let's have a great show. Hey, welcome, welcome to the room. Welcome to the room, Andre. How you doing? I hope everything's going good. So today we are going to be talking about blackness. What is blackness? See, the blackness is a, um, it's actually a colonial term that was uh, devised to basically bring forth a whole lot of division and separation on, on, on the journey to conquer the world basically. And I think a lot of us, we've, we, we basically, um, we've accepted the note, like the concept of blackness, and we we basically lived out what Dave ascribed blackness to be. And when you look at uh, history, basically the the distinction between whiteness and blackness is that blackness is is associated with the lesser. Well, four hundred years ago, we're talking, it was associated with the lesser, while whiteness was supposed to represent, you know, the supremacy, something that's more dominant. And so everything then during those eras, like so, they had basically like um, the enslaved people that came that came to um, to the Americas and the Caribbean and such, because of their skin color and also like the the classism that was involved, they were basically projected the, the term blackness to them, while that whiteness was supposed to be that that is superior, better, and whatnot. But if you just go back a bit a bit further a bit further than that. When you look back at the history of um, African history, you realize that there were a lot of great civilizations, a lot of great kingdoms that existed prior to um, to basically like uh, so. I think the actual concept of blackness it wasn't um, it wasn't yet coined in those times because like, I mean you're around a whole bunch of people that look like you, so that so there were different types of uh, distinctions that pe people would use. And it wasn't actually in terms of um, whiteness or blackness. It was much more so, um, how can I say, cultural, uh, cultural traditions, um, religions, languages, and things like that. So it was only until the Europeans, they, they came in, that they introduced the whole notion of um, blackness. And then, so from, from that on, from, from that point on, I think people really just accepted and like adopted this narrative and if you look back for 400 years ago too, like you, you would not want to be black. <laughs> like, I mean, black people were enslaved, whipped, and like, like, sheesh, like what, like you name it, like anything that was negative was associated with with blackness. So there's like, that you that you have it is it's, it's basically, how can I say this? Can say like, do, do you do you have any input in regards as to what blackness is for you? What blackness represents? Um, 
for me, blackness is represents uh, our people. Uh, it represents uh, a desire to claim your roots. You know, for me, um, blackness is that you know we've we're told from the from the beginning that our skin is our sin, right? Mm. We're told that that black isn't beautiful. We look mm. at the fifty most beautiful people. And if there is somebody black, they usually are barely passing, you know. What <laughs> I mean? And so, so you know, even if we get one like a Idris Elba or even a Lupita or something like that, it's like one. But the mother forty nine, though, you know what I'm saying. So, <laughs> so you know, we have to deal with that on a mm. certain level, like that you're not what's in, you're not what's popping, right? It's just uh, acceptable, right? I mean, we had a little moment when Wesley Snipes you know kind of brought it kind of brought us back you know it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know that, it as they say right <laughs> right and that era is over okay <laughs> so so uh you know so blackness to me is is us accepting our the beauty within and understanding that you know i don't want to sound like i'm you know i'm i don't want to sound like i'm um just saying something but we do come from kings and queens we started society we you know we're very important to the fabric of humanity and and blackness also means that we we were with one with the land you know what i mean mm-hmm. we we understand nature so mm-hmm. if you think about if you think about this earth when we were in control mm-hmm. The world wasn't dying, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The planet right? wasn't dying. So, uh, you know, so I think in order for us to get in touch with our blackness or what blackness should be to us is to accept that, yes, we've had a horrible history in the last 400 and so years, mm-hmm. but we need to rely on the previous before that and, and post in the last 400 years. Think about mm-hmm. this. All the things that's happened to us uh from slavery jim crow reconstruction to now and we're still here you know like we're still here we're still here we're we're hanging on by a thread but we're still here that's important for us to understand and to um and it's important for us to, to say that so blackness to me is 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 beauty and it's the beauty within Mm-hmm. And um, by the way, I'd like to welcome um, everybody that's in the room right now. Um, Vet, welcome to the room. Dre, Curtis, well, welcome. And there's two two spots available. So if you guys want to jump into this conversation, jump in. And my co-host, L.A., she just um, walked into the studio, so she'll be joining us shortly. I was, yeah. one, I was like, somebody's in the back. They yeah. But yes, so like, that's the thing with blackness, too, because like, I think, like, uh, in an earlier conversation with a friend of mine um, named Candace, she she mentioned how blackness it actually has evolved. It, it, it seems to basically be evolving because if you look at what it was for four hundred years ago, like so the narrative that the Europeans basically gave to us and which we accepted was that of enslavement and the lesser than. And so along with with that experience, oh there goes LA again. <laughs> <laughs> so along with that experience. We we basically um I think what's going on now is that we adapted that that experience and we didn't really know how to be as a people because now because what what occurred then is like so from kings 
to slave to enslave enslave enslavement, mm-hmm. what occurred is basically like the breaking down of identity. Mm-hmm. So like uh, I was having a conversation with LA the other time, and I, and I was like, you know what? When we you look at a lot of black people nowadays, we seem to have a case of um, we don't know our, our identities, like where we really came from, and the narrative that we we, we have been given is that of enslavement. So then the the thing of identity becomes really really um, important. And the cool thing is, um, while I was meditating last time, <laughs> I meditate a lot. <laughs> um, the word um, self awareness came 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 up. And the cool thing with that word is that when you break it down, so self awareness, then it's like a person gets to ask themselves, like, where am I? So the first part is like self aware, like your location, where are you? In order to find your identity and where you are in um, basically like the, the history of the world. And then, so basically like you have, you have the self awareness and then you have the self awareness, which is uh, yourself that you basically, you, you carry and the, the way you show up in the world. And then the spiritual aspect, the self-awareness. So us as black people for this topic here, though, this conversation, I think the part that we were trying to hone on the most is the location where we are. And that's why I think we're trying to focus on where we were 400 years ago and how that has led to us now and basically where that's going to take us. Like, um, and by the way, guys, like, feel free to, to chime in. You could, you could grab a spot. Like, there's two more spots. But I think that that narrative, and um, can't say that, that, I don't know if, if you agree with me, but our um, narrative has been that of resilience and, and brilliance because, first of all, having your identity stripped away from you, like, completely, and still be here and, and kind of function to some extent is, you know, remarkable. But there's a lot of traumas that, that has come along with that because there's been a lot of, uh, if, if you look nowadays in society, there's a lot of black people that are suffering from more mental health um, challenges and, and different various things. And those, they stem from traumas that basically occurred 400 years ago. And we're still living through that, trying to find like our, um, I guess our, our bearings, like our handling. But- You know, Dr. Joy DeGru, who, if you don't know this sister, you you'll fall in love with her. She did this uh, lecture called post-traumatic slave syndrome. She there's also a book as well. And um, she really talks about uh, how we haven't been able to heal since slavery. And she, she it's this it's this beautiful uh, lecture if you haven't if you haven't seen it and um called post-traumatic slave syndrome. And if you haven't, if you haven't had an opportunity to see it, it'll blow your mind. It's 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 amazing work, and she's an amazing uh, individual. I I would love to to chop it up with her at some point, but yeah, that's oh look who we have, Miss Miss Hey Wade. man, it's hard being an overnight celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> How's everybody doing? Excellent. I see we have some gun shy people who aren't logging in to fill some spots. <laughs> What's that all about? How do we have conversation without talking to each other? <laughs> yeah. Carter, Shannon, Curtis. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hi, nice to see you all in the room. Welcome, welcome. Mm-hmm. So what have you talked about thus far? So we started um, just touching on um, what blackness is. And what it was um, 400 years ago. Yeah. And so we were just basically kind of looking a bit at that. And when we started off, I just wanted to touch on our history before enslavement. So talking about the African empires and who we were. 
And so just okay. so, yeah. You know, what's interesting, I just did an interview um, on another platform for my work actually, which mm. um, we work with a lot of, <laughs> we work with a lot of disadvantaged people who are trying to go back to school, the transitional year program at the University of Toronto. And this man is interviewing me, a black man, and he, I told him what we were going to be talking about. And he said, he doesn't believe blackness exists. So I was like, wow, man, they got you. They got you. And, and in one sense, I know what he's trying to say mm-hmm. um, in the sense that, you know, blackness is just this social construct that's put together. But this is the real life experience that we're having. Um, we are having a black experience, whether or not what that was constructed for me or not. It's still very much related to my opportunities. It's very much related to how I see myself. Um, it's related to how my relationships function. There's so many aspects of if he wants to pretend like that doesn't impact him. Well, man, let me drink whatever it is that he's drinking. <laughs> because I mean, ultimately, isn't that our goal is to try to get to a place where we can just be, um, we can just be people. But I don't want to take away from the fact that what this blackness has given me all of this time and um the rich culture by which people that look like me in different monochromatic um, hues has been beautiful. And I don't want to take away from that by any means. Um, So yeah, I was just shocked that he was saying that, oh, blackness doesn't exist. And I think it's that whole idea of colorblindness as well. Mm. Give me a break. This is, (laughs) this is things that are taking away. Hi, who's that, Curtis? Yes, hey there, what's going on? Hi, Curtis, how are you? Hey, welcome, Curtis. I love the lights in the background. I'm a big photography person. Yeah, I do a lot of, I do a lot of work with video. Very nice. Yeah. Do you have an, Did you have something to say about what I was talking about just then? Um, well, just, just overall, not necessarily in particular to what you were Sure. Doing, but um, I think the bigger, the bigger part of our uh, blackness, uh, I absolutely do believe that it, it, it exists, but I think a bigger part of it is just that um, we, um, uh, at least growing up for me, and I think I'm sure I'm not alone, but uh, it was the education and uh, uh, was a huge piece of it. And I think more so nowadays, we hear only of the slavery piece of it. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people don't want to touch base and touch that because it's, it's you know, it obviously hurts. You know, so a lot of pain attached to it, um, not only for us, but for the whites as well, or, the, you know, our counterparts, if you will. But um, even before slavery, and I think I came in on um, what uh, came on on the end, the tail end of the conversation, and I think you guys were talking about prior to slavery, was the schools and the universities that existed, and we, you know, we're, we come from uh, the lineage of kings and queens and things of that nature, uh, and that's a piece of it that's not talked about. And I think mm-hmm. for me, as a black man, that's where I get my power from, and it doesn't matter if um, if I don't know them. It's just, uh, you know, even for when Obama was Obama and was president, I didn't necessarily agree with everything he's, that he said or a lot of his policies. But my point of it is that he was a black man uh, uh, that for many years that we were told no. And it was very much empowering for me, it was. Right. Mm. And so I think a lot of us as black people, we're just missing that history piece of it. And the history piece is empowering. And uh, again, for me growing up, I didn't have a black history, what, what was that? You know, right. and I think for a lot of us, we, we've been given someone else's history. Yes. And um, we've been living out of that. And, 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 it, and it's, 
it's it's painful to live someone else's story. You know, uh, I'm a Christian, but and I think about how David was uh, trying to um, how um, uh, David was getting ready to go to battle uh, to fight the Philistines, and he was prepared to he was preparing, and yet they were saying, "Well, here, put this put put Saul's armor on," and right. he, he couldn't wear someone else's armor. You know, exactly. So he, you know, so he so he had to he had to work with what he had, which was the stone and the, the stones in the uh, slingshot. My, you know, again, that's just I, I think it's a history piece of it is is so much missing. Uh, my former years, I was a flight attendant, and, and I had this gentleman who who was a uh, historian and a, a some kind of high ranking military military official, and he said the first thing that they do when a um, a uh, uh, a regime or uh, uh, forces, you know, military forces, uh, going to take a country or an island or whatever they're going to um, uh, uh, take over is that they take over the museum. Mm -hmm. Right. And I thought that was just so powerful, uh, but at the same time, just scary because these are things that you know the average person doesn't even think about. Right. And, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think the history piece, just to add to you know the, the conversation, but the history the history piece is huge, and and we're we're missing that power, and that's that's our that's where we get our power from. It's nice to know that we come from uh, a lineage of kings and queens, and you look at the uh, you know what uh, I'm in so much uh, I'm halfway in sports, you know here and there, but but the point of it is that a lot of our you know whether it's sports, music, whatever, we're just extraordinary people. And you know, to know that we come from that, you know, whether you know, my, I'm not a musician, but you know, I do other things. But my point is to know that we come from this lineage of people. I mean, it's just amazing. And and you hear stories of sisters and brothers who don't like their blackness. It's like, what the hell is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. and, Can you really blame them? I mean, I mean, you make it's good that you have that self worth and that self love. But I really worry about those people that aren't able to look at themselves and see that sense of pride, that, that love, like, you know, for, being from Ghana, mm -hmm. you, you have that reinforced all the time, but being yeah, yeah. here in North America and in the mm -hmm. diaspora, mm -hmm. we're constantly torn down. We're constantly swimming upstream, mm -hmm. which yes, it makes us resilient and strong, but we shouldn't have to be that strong. Exactly. And um, to add to that effect as well, so me being from Ghana, I think, that is a privilege that um that I, I've been really aware of, because I think that um I was, as I mentioned earlier, it is um so blackness uh, like but giving us the identity of blackness, I think that it strip that helps strip away our identity as kings and queens, because um like I was, I was, I was talking about earlier when you think about it, back in Africa and during the those great empires of Ghana, Kush and um Timbuktu and everything. Mm -hmm. It, it was all people that looked alike and just yeah. had like different ways. So like the only dividing aspect of it was much more so the cultural traditions, religions, different tribes and different ways of living. It wasn't much so whiteness or blackness. So when the, the enslaved people, they, they came and enslaved folks and brought, brought them to North America, then by, by basically putting everybody together and um, putting everybody um, as black together just labeling everybody as black they put a limitation as to who those kings and queens were and just like they limited that to that's black folks right there so when when people say that it, it is a construct yes i could see that 
However, though, it is a construct, and we're able to understand that we were kings and queens before that. But I don't think that white people are able to like un understand. I don't that think aspect. we can understand that. Mm. It's so far removed from my experience, my mm -hmm. lived experience. I yes, I know a brother could see me on the street and be like my queen, and it's like that's really nice. Mm -hmm. But you know, I'm having a problem keeping good relationships at work. Mm -hmm. I'm having a problem raising two young black men and yeah. scared to death that the police are going to kill my children. Mm -hmm. These are not the lives of kings and queens. So mm -hmm. for me to believe that I'm a king and a queen, I need to have some type of reflection of that in my day-to-day -day experience. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that continues to further separate me. I, don't, I just want to change gears mm -hmm. a little bit because mm -hmm. I saw that somebody was asking in the comments um, if we had seen the... To the mic. Yeah, go ahead. You can take that. Yeah, so um, I think yeah, Dre brought he brought up the Killer Mike interview that he did with the Breakfast Club. I think Killer oh. Mike, this guy is amazing. He is Killer a, Mike for president. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's my guy because I just love his mindset so much <laughs> because uh, like he speaks about something that uh, I concur. It seems like during our whole struggle, to give us the go. Yeah. to live our lives and to build and so i think we actually each each of and every one of us we have the ability and and power to actually build ourselves up and we just wait on the system to allow us permission which is like a enslaved mindset right there where because we, we've been stripped away and really broken down generation after generation it's like a learned uh, helplessness thing yeah and oh my god it's like kill them that let me see. So he said, I was listening to him and then Envy. Envy decided to leave the hood to improve his own life. Killer Mike is looking to remain in the hood and develop it. Yes. Yes. That's exactly the distinction. That so, you know, Go ahead. You know what's interesting? Um, I think, and I've I, I seen the interview and I, and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I think what's interesting is that um, for me, like I said, I, I for me personally, I, I grew up around a lot of whites. Mm -hmm. And um, um, and, but it, it never stopped me, prevented me from looking back though. And, and when I say looking back and I'm not meaning any kind of negative connotation, but still, still curious. Okay. You know, so, so it never, it never had taken, taken that away, you know, uh, again, growing up in schools and called the N word and just, you know, just stuff, you know, mm -hmm. but it never taken my desire away to, uh, um, to look around. And I think that, um, uh, you know, I'll just use use an example, for instance, like the movie, um, I think, uh, what is it? Uh, the, the Pursuit of Happiness, mm -hmm. I think it's called. Yeah. You talked about that. Um, I think, is it the one oh, no. Smith or Smith uh, the, uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. But, I, but I, I, I'm talking about the, the, the author though, or the, uh, who the Chris gentleman, was it the book was about, the movie was about? Yeah, Chris Garner. Yeah, Chris Garner. Yeah, and how um, uh, I seen in an interview that he had done with someone. I can't remember who it was, but he he talked about how he looked at the vehicle. You know, when uh, in a movie they show where he looked at his vehicle, he says, "How would you get that?" He asked this, the investor, the stockbroker, and I brought that up for a reason because I think that a lot of us as black people, uh, and, you know, we can say people in general, but I, I think primarily as black people, is that. You know, if you want to change something, you have to be able to look at the very thing that's that that's that's paining you. 
that mm-hmm. causes you pain. Though it's hard, it's tough. Uh, you know, it's like uh, looking at someone uh, pulling, you, you might be driving, you know, not you, but just in person might be driving a, a bucket of a vehicle or something like that. And obviously that's subjective. It could, you know, that's, you know, very subjective. But my point is, is my point is that if you're looking at, if you're afraid to look out the window to the car, to the left or to the right of you, see that it's a Mercedes or, you know, some kind of, a, you know, Bentley or something like that. And to, to admit to say, hey, you know what? That's nice. How would you get that? And I think that is, a, that is the very beginning of healing and realize that, hey, you know what? We have the same thing that they have. And I think for me, again, going back to always being curious is that um, I, didn't, I wasn't taught black history in, in school, but I was able to, I, I remember my mom as a kid would say to me, I would say, mom, how do you spell such and such? Get a dictionary. That's always you. She always did. Get a dictionary. Get a dictionary. Get a dictionary. And until this day, I travel with where I've been a flight attendant in, uh, for many years. So until this day, I've always traveled with a dictionary. <laughs> always traveled with a dictionary. And from that, I I uh, I write copy. I do you know I write pretty well. But my point is, is that I I think at some point we as black people, due to the brokenness, and I you know absolutely you know because it was it was strategy, it was purposeful what they were doing. So I, I completely get that. But due to the brokenness, we stop looking out the window. We mm. stop asking questions, and when we stop asking questions, the very uh, you know even the Bible speaks of the very fear that we you know very thing that we fear had come upon us. And next thing you know, here we're falling asleep in the midst of the time when it's, you know, uh, when it was time for us to ask to ask questions. You're looking out the window, if you will. How did you get that? How did you do that? Rather, rather than I think for a lot of us asking uh, how how did you do that, we, uh, you know, we I think we 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 take on a lot of a take on a lot of stuff that our brothers that our counterparts have given us that that jealousy spirit, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I know. A lot of us as a whole as black people, we're very accommodating to each other. Hey, man, what's going on? How you doing? But the other part, that other nature is not necessarily belongs to us. It's what we've been given. And we, I think, with that, we kind of just are reluctant to look outside the window, if you will. And also, like, um, if I may add as well, because blackness has been an uh, evolving um, con- concept. concept. And like, like I was mentioning earlier, with a conversation with my um, my friend Candace, um, I like the use of the word evolving because initially when the term blackness was, it was ascribed, it was used to put us down. But if you look at what blackness is now, mm-hmm. society, blackness is cool. <laughs> like black, black so, is cool. So much so that white people want to be black. E- exactly. <laughs> like, like, so much so that basically uh, like in, four, in 400 years, like white might be the new black. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Like they might want to get back and back, and that that just speaks to us as a people because when you look at at the times and everything, you can basically see how whenever whenever we are given the less of less, we take it and we make something beautiful out of it. So that even um absolutely the way we cook, like our cuisines and that and yes, yes. from our features and everything. So so like yes. so blackness started off as something that that was meant to degrade. So, and, and and really like have us in a place where it's bad and it still goes on in society today and the the, the thing about it, like a contrast going on because like back in the days you, you would see a thing such as um you, you watch a show such as roots and the mm-hmm. narrative was about slavery and um basically like um it talks about the, the slavery narrative 
And today we are at a place where we are, we're basically talking about uh, Wakanda and everything. So it seems like even in the media, like visually, like blackness has had a in a, in a, in a, in a evolution. But but when but you but when you you pay attention auditively when it comes to the, our music, hip hop was basically like and like hip hop was like our, our, our favorite. Like, yeah, it's a mythology. Exactly. It's mythology. A mythology. Yes, yeah. Tap into to help us transform our identity and help us see ourselves in a more positive as kings and queens. Right. That was the first time that you saw what kind of happened in live, mm-hmm. like it was in the music. Yes, 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 <laughs> and yes. then, but, but funny enough, if you look, you listen to music now, the narrative is like it's not basically uh, it's not promoting the kings and queens aspect of things. So there seems to be also to blackness. Is uh, a state of confusion. I, like I, I would say, if I dare say, like the big elephant is like blackness is a big state of confusion because, like, once they, they give us something and we turn it good, then it's like okay, like give it back to NASA now. Like, like, like NASA basically is going to take over now because you guys can't handle this image that mm-hmm. you have up. And then, and then when it comes to when it comes to the music side, so initially that means that everything we do, with rock and roll, like, like every type of music. Master comes, master takes it. And so when it comes to uh, hip hop, now it's like, I think we're, we're at the state where master has come and through capitalism and everything, just taking over hip hop. So there's a, a big confusion going on between the images that we're seeing hmm. and sounds that we're, we're hearing. And because those things are going on, I think that it's causing a, a further, um, it's causing further confusion like amongst ourselves, so like who, who we are. So initially, because blackness was not something good that you, you want to associate with, you look at behaviors nowadays, and it, it, it's something that human beings want to, like, want to the, um, what you call it, distance themselves away from the notion of being black. You have some black people that will still tell you, I'm not black. I just had one. <laughs> exactly. So, I had the guy, yeah, yeah. this is not real. I'm like, really, my brother? Because you look like a black guy. You look like what they <laughs> you look like like what they would call a black guy. Because the police right, right, right. think that you're somebody else when they tell you to put your hands up. <laughs> so I'm yeah. saying yes, yes, yes. like it doesn't yes. exist if you want. Uh welcome facts into the room. Um, Can you all hear me? Yeah. Nice hey. to hear you. Finally, sorry. Uh no, it's all good. You don't technological have to- glitches on my side. Yeah. I, I like that you joined us and, and just so that people are aware, you can't see facts because uh, of his employment. So mm. this is a real like it's a treat for us to have him. It's a treat for him to speak into the into <laughs> the mic. But I just want to use Dre who was saying just prior, um, but when it comes to blackness, the mentality of leaving the hood is is a poor mindset. Improving the black community black communities and still maintaining and redefining blackness should be our goal, not leaving. Mm-hmm. So getting the, the L card for, for wanting to leave his community and, and Killer Mike is getting Killer Mike for yes, president yes, yes. because okay. he's trying to redefine. I think it was even Karis one who was like, um, you can leave you can you can love your, your neighborhood without love and poverty. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. See right. and the, a part of the difficulty there is you're talking about elevating not just yourself, but everybody else's perspective around you in a community. And it's very difficult, uh, if not impossible, to do that. So we're dealing with a geography issue, right, and a proximity issue. Um, So as an example, you know, if you're, you know, the 
the, the affluent rappers, as an example, they're probably arguably in the best position to start to having this dialogue right now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because they are so influential. And I've long said that the one currency that we have is the currency of cool, whether it be in the form of sports, entertainment, music, whatever the case may be. So when it's cool to reclaim the hood and gentrify the hood in the sense of from the context of, of in, a, in, a, in a black empowerment context, they are the best voices for that. But now let's go back to what I, I an earlier discussion. So let's imagine being Chris Gardner, who is a, you know, a quantitative guy, essentially from, from, from the outside looking in, perhaps a bit of a nerd, right? Uh, he's into numbers. If, when he tries to make that, that push to, let's say, positively affect the neighborhood, how is he being received? How is how is he and, and these are just questions, these are just rhetorical questions, right? How is he being received? How much influence does he have? Right? Um it's 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 just food for thought because at the end of the day, we can want to reclaim you know, and, and you know, we we've talked like for years offline, um, that I'm very big on communities and proximity, that you can't build a community if everybody's living in different locations. Right. It's a problem that is endemic in, in Toronto, mm -hmm. um, specifically, and I don't know if we're talking very much about the Canadian experience specifically on this uh, podcast, but 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 you can't have a situation where you're building community. And, and you know, you brought a killer mic a second ago and the the the, um, the the first episode where he was dealing with 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 uh, um, wanting to buy wanting to buy black and he mm -hmm. couldn't. Why? Well, here's the problem is because not everybody lives the people who are in a position to uh, uh, sort of prosper economically and support their community locally and develop community, schools, businesses, and so on and so forth, once they become affluent, what do they do? They leave, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. you can't build momentum that way, right? Mm -hmm. And so that has been, so I'm just saying that all, the, all these factors are, are, are sort of contributing factors to, to keeping a people stuck. So how do you unstick it? So first thing, again, I support the business of, of, of um, reclaiming the hood, right? And doing business with each other and supporting each other economically as a primary function of how we sort of take care of ourselves as a community. Yeah? Yeah. So, I think I want a Coca-Cola vending machine. Yeah, right? Boom, all day. Maybe one of those in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> And the funny thing too that I kind of want to tag on is because the elephant in, in that in that in the room is that the reason why we want to leave is because once again, blackness it seems like like the narrative is making it be something that you don't want to be. You don't want to be black because as that experience, the way that it's just been told is is supposed to be that of just hor like horrific experiences. So, so, so that's, that's why that's mm -hmm. fair. That's fair. I just want to challenge a thought, though, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, so let's look at the the sort of trajectory of somebody's life. Who the, and one of the gentlemen earlier on was talking, uh, and I very much identified what he's talking about when he did bring up the business of Chris Gardner, and mm -hmm. and sort of we have to look outside of ourselves. Which one of you gentlemen was that? I just because I couldn't see it. At the time. I think it was Curtis. Curtis, yeah. Right. So you know, uh, the first thing that came to my mind as you were talking about that was was about ego and selflessness. Mm -hmm. When you said that Chris had brought up the business of speaking to the, to the stockbroker, hey man, what is that you have? You know, I want, how, more importantly, how did you get that? Right, right. Right? 
if you're in a state of ego and if you're in a state of envy, you're just like, yo, <clears throat> I want that. Exactly. Right? I'm not talking to you. I'm not right. going to converse with you right. to try and build something with you're you. You're fucking and grimy. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to come on a grimy thing now, mm -hmm. and I just want to get that Chris car that you got. Yeah. <laughs> very different. Very yeah. different energy mm -hmm. than... So, okay, so let's let's put that in a bucket for a second. So now... Let's talk about not wanting to live around other black people. So these are conversations I have with a lot of people. And this mm -hmm. is some of the feedback I get. I don't want to live in a neighborhood where guys are driving down the street with their music blaring loud, I've been told. I don't want to live in a community where there's a certain, uh, you know, maybe the, 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 the boys are hanging out on the street corner and, you know, not conducting themselves properly, right? So these are some of the complaints from within the black community about being in the black community. Yeah. So how do we deal with that now? Because we have a perception issue, not externally, that doesn't matter to me, but mm -hmm. internally, how we perceive ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. right? yes. So, so, so we can't even arrive at, you know, you know let's, let's think about what gentrification means and about reclaiming the hood and about, you know, cause if anything, you know, I've, I've spoken quite a bit about, you know, we've talked offline a lot about, um, uh, um, you know, perception. Mm -hmm. So what, how, how does that factor in? So I'm going to throw that to you guys. This is a question as a listener and mm -hmm. participant, you know, we want to reclaim the hood and we want everybody to live close together, but how do we do that and make everybody comfortable? Because there has to be community standards. Mm -hmm. right? I, so, I, I, I think, I think, you know, as part of that, as part of that perception, that's, um, that's been established uh, in regards to how black folks see themselves. It's been established by the media. And uh, I'm sorry, one second. That's okay. <laughs> sorry about that. Right. But yeah, I, I think that the um, uh, what's been established um, for black people um, is um, uh, essentially what the media has, uh, you know, what has been played out in the media. Mm -hmm. And I, I really, I don't know if any of you follow um, Dr. Claude Anderson. Big time. Uh, yeah. Um, and I, you know, he's written a book on uh, uh, the power of economics. Paranomics. Paranomics. Yeah, exactly. Uh -oh. and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, he talked about the uh, you know the different pillar, the pillars of um, of economics, and one of the pillars, um, you know, or a couple of them is political, uh, and then also he talks about the media, and um, I think that the media is huge, and I, I think we, we forget we forget how uh, back you know a lot of us uh, back in the sixties. Where they had these horrific images, where the dogs were being sick on us as on the black folks, and they were being sprayed down with war hoses, like we were just something so awful. And yet, um, you know, these images, uh, these things that we see, uh, or the, the the entire world has seen, they have played a huge part in how we see ourselves. Uh, unfortunately, um, it's been the uh, it, it's been the uh, uh, predominantly, our, I guess, our our counterparts have been uh, that have been telling our history again, going back to what I was saying earlier, how the gentleman as a flight attendant, I was working on aircraft and the gentleman said that, uh, that the military would first take over the, the museum. And so for the fact that, you know, uh, 
our museum his, historic, uh, uh, historically, it has been essentially taken over and we've had someone else telling our story for so long. And I think now, you know, uh, uh, the gentleman, what's his name? Um, Big Mike? Killer yeah, Mike. Killer Mike. Killer Mike, I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, how he he gets it and so many other brothers and sisters, you know, us, the four of us uh, that are in the window or the five of us that's in this window here, we're getting it. But like, uh, I think uh, the gentleman says the elephant in the room, I don't know your real name, but Buggy. how- <laughs> That's your real oh, name. <laughs> yeah, it is, Buggy, yes. <laughs> oh, okay, well, well, we'll stick with elephant in the room for now until I can figure, <laughs> out, how to, figure out how to pronounce that one. But uh, uh, any event, uh, just how you were saying earlier is that we are evolving, the blackness is evolving. And because it's evolving, we're finally coming into, I, I like to say the, the, uh, the sleeping giant is awaking. Yes. You know, and I, I think we've always been, um, we've all been always been awesome, but we, you know, that because someone has had uh, been pulling the strings, if you will, been telling our story, been giving us a little bit, yeah. a little bit of our story, if you will, we would go on, on, we would accept that and run with it. And then say, wait a minute, I need the rest of the story. You know, as my mom would say to me as a kid, uh, Curtis, you know, you have to remember, don't, you know, stop breaking your plate after you eat. Mm. You know, this is what mom would always say to me. And, and I, you know, I take that to, I mean, this is as a kid, but I take that even now as an adult, I think we as, we as black people, we have to stop breaking our plate after we eat and know that there's more to the story. Mm -hmm. uh, know that we can, we can truly get our full on. I mean, truly this, the sky is the limit brothers and sisters, man. I'm that's like, man, I'm just, even now I'm just like getting excited, man. The sky is a limit, man. It's just like, there's nothing that we cannot do as a people, man, because I, uh, uh, my, again, my former job was a flight attendant. So I've had to make a transition uh, into a space where I was kind of touched here and there with it. And that is the digital space. But mm -hmm. I've been in a digital space now for what, about seven, eight years. I've learned everything I need to learn online. Asking mm. questions, looking at videos, and you know, uh, learn how to run a mixer. A mixer, where at one time was as 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 foreign as uh, trying to uh, uh, split an atom, you know. <laughs> but now, you know, just through just through what other people are sharing, and 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 you know, they a lot of the people happen to be white. They happen to be black people. Happen of all races, but nevertheless, the information people like to share, and so. We can, you can come up on that alone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't know. That's just that's just my you know my 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 spin on it. But see, they even uh, had just, uh, real real quick. I just want to say facts. Uh, if you uh, log off and then come back in, you'll be probably unmuted. Just uh, just leave and then come right back. Perfect. Okay. And so so like uh, that's an interesting thing too because like I guess the elephant in the room that I'm noticing. Can you guys hear? Yeah. Yes, yeah, sir. Oh, okay. Sorry about okay. that. That's okay. So um, the, the elephant in the, in the room that I'm noticing, because once again, like I'm, I'm sticking to the point of blackness. I like the more and more we have this conversation, the more I'm I, I'm actually seeing the point of it being um, a construct because once again, it, it's a cap. It seems like it's a capitalistic um, construct because whenever blackness makes money, then basically it's it vacated. And I train myself as to before when um, our features used to be mocked and shamed, 
and basically like, nobody wanted that. But now they basically took it to a different place where it's a beautiful thing on us. Like people are, are making money from that. People that are not basically like um, melanated or whatnot, they're mm-hmm. making money from black, like um, features that were ascribed to blackness only. So now what now basically occurs is that it's something where if we're not careful, that like within I'd say the next 400 years, white probably will be the new black because like 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 if you notice prior to the enslavement like so like prior to enslavement basically there, there were not there were no race um divide like that white and black so there was culture and uh, religion and, and amongst other other things the way of living so when i say white is going to become the new black is by adopting the ways of living. So basically, whether it be the features, music that people listen to, by assimilating and like appropriating like those people culture, then you 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 will, you, become, you assume the behaviors that makes you that makes a person quote unquote black. Because even when you look at language, like a person could be speaking black or a person could be speaking white. <laughs> like hello there, how do you do? Everything's all dandy, or basically. Yo, my name is Jamal. I'm from like that is basically traits that are attributed to blackness and whiteness. So the more we like, you know, like exactly. <laughs> I mean, for me personally, I'm having an experience where I was talking to somebody on the was it you? I think I was driving to work, mm-hmm. and work is becoming increasingly more difficult for me mm-hmm. these days. Um, and being black seems to really hurt. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about, you know, not wanting to be black, I don't want the, that kind of black experience anymore. I'm really tired. <laughs> I'm really tired. And I feel like I'm suffering the most at the hands of other people that look like me. Um, when I think about that boxer, what's the boxer's name? Deontay Wilder. When he was yelling and screaming at that other black reporter about what you mean, your people too. Mm-hmm. What do you mean, your people too? Mm-hmm. Like, I just felt like all of the rage that was inside of me mm-hmm. was just right there on the screen, encapsulated right. in how this man was talking. Because who is this black man asking him what he's talking about? Does he mm-hmm. really not know what he's talking about? Right, right, right. And so in an institution like the University of Toronto where I work, it's great that you might place um, place a black supervisor above me, but um, when that person has bought in to what the institution represents and then starts to police me and discriminate me, almost worse than my own yes, colonizer. Yes. Yeah, I just feel like really frustrated and it, every it, it's already hard to wake up and, and just be all as it is. But they are putting another layer of complexity to my life that is not welcomed here. Well, you you know, you know they have a, this old saying that every brother is not your brother, right? Absolutely. And so that's why I, you know we used to get really excited. We used to get real excited when somebody black would get a position that normally black people don't get and stuff. Yeah. But my thing is this: is if they have the same mentality of people who oppressed you 
and they're try what they call them chocolate covered Europeans in men. <laughs> I never heard that before. Chocolate-covered <laughs> Europeans. So it, it doesn't even matter. Sometimes they're worse hmm. because they're hard because then they get away with it because they have the same skin color as you. Hmm. So it's all about the mentality. I, it was it was interesting. I was listening to you guys speak, and you were talking about this idea of moving out your neighborhood and all of that stuff. And my thing is this, is we have to redefine in our community what is success. Success isn't just that. If my my son, if I have a child, I don't have no children, but if I had a son and my son becomes a doctor, but his mentality is a vacuum, that's not not success. You know what I mean? I'd rather him be a janitor, but his mind be right. You know what I'm saying? And I think in our mind is if if, if we make a lot of money, if we do all these things that are, you know, that are are great on paper, you know, like he makes a lot of money, she makes a lot of money, but they have a mentality that's that is horrible, right. then it's not a successful person. So we need to redefine in our community what is success, because a lot of times you'll be talking about somebody who is doing something that that is deplorable. But then I'll say, but he make money, though. Yeah. Yeah. Make money yeah. As if. <laughs> yeah, like you know, it's like she could, uh, he could be a drug dealer, but he making that paper though, and we gotta get rid of that mentality. Baby moms, what's that? I, I, I think, I, I think uh, you know, I can absolutely agree with uh, Kente, uh, Kente, uh, but I, I think I go back to what I was saying earlier. How important, how important it is to know who we were, who we are as black people prior to slavery. Yes, because again. Uh, it, it, it's the history that's been locked up. It's a history that has been, uh, um, uh, you know, that's uh, that's been confiscated, if you will. And they're they're sharing with us a, a, a little bit at a time. And you know, for my in my personal time with God, I was just like, Lord God, what is it? How is it that a a uh, uh, how is it a group of people, you know, being black people, could be hated so much? Mm-hmm. And you know what, what? What is behind it? And this is and this is my conversation with God. And so, it led me to it. it led me to again looking outside the window. Yes. You know, uh, it, it led me to uh, looking around me because, you know, like Kente said, is that just because just because they they're black or in and uh, what's your name, Sister? I'm sorry. Oh, me, LA. Oh, LA. Just like LA was saying a moment ago. Is that it becomes increasingly hard, you know, especially you got somebody above you who's black, and and they're kind of essentially been sent in to kind of just kind of make sure the the, the herd don't get away, if you will, kind of you know kind of corral us in. But my my point my point is that history is always a factor. It's what you learn, and it's what's it, it, what we don't know. And if we could if if if, if we could go back to Prehistory and look, uh, not prehistory, but, but uh, pre slavery, I'm sorry. And we can go back to pre slavery where the blacks were the kings and queens, and we still are. Who praise the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. We still are. I'm, I'm, try, I'm sorry. I had to, had, to, had to come out. It's and okay. We, the Holy Ghost doesn't discriminate. We still are kings and queens. But I, I, I think that. Again, history and educating ourselves. We, we, we have to come to a place that we don't want to hear. Yes, I know slavery is an important issue. 
That's important. But I need to know why is it that you hate me so much? You hate well, me so much. Whew, can, can, can I throw something out there? Hold, yeah, yeah, what's up, Fred? I just want to say something. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. I don't, maybe I'm a little bit too militant, right? But I'm just going to call it what it is. I don't care what anybody thinks of me. I just care about me and my people and if we're all right. And, and this is just me. Okay. I'm with you. The hate, I, I will express this. Slavery was an economic construct. Absolutely. All right. Racism is a social construct sure. designed to mask the true intention, which is economics, okay. okay? Because it is cheaper to pay you nothing than to pay a white guy, right? Quite, quite frankly, slavery hurt everybody, right? Not equally, but certainly, if I was a white laborer who's just trying to get on, I can't get that job, mm -hmm. right? Why? Because a black person can do it for free, okay? <laughs> so there was an economic benefit to slavery. And again, we have to contextualize it. We're going to have to look at South America as a very different animal and more similar to the Caribbean and a very different animal than what it was in America. And let's be honest, until 1834 in Canada, we had slavery here too, generally amongst Aboriginal people, but certainly mm -hmm. Blacks as well. Mm -hmm. So there is, you have to look at things in the proper context, but ultimately, regardless of it, at the end of the day, it was always an economic construct. So that we're hated is a side issue. I don't care if you hate me, right? I just care if you're an impediment to me getting the life I want. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm also concerned about, so as you know, so if the, if the, if the label of this conversation is about defining blackness and speaking about, about blackness, we have, I, I was the, uh, you know, Mike had brought up earlier on that, or I, I'm throwing out names and I don't even know what I'm supposed oh, to be throwing yeah, out. <laughs> but M Boogie, let's call you that. How about hey. that? <laughs> if, 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 you know, you, you brought up the whole business about um, blackness and whiteness in the context of, 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 of language and sort of how one speaks, you know. So yeah. I used to always get that one. Yeah. Oh, you, you're acting white. You're talking white. This mm -hmm. is, no, it's like, no, I just like I just like English since that's the language that I'm kind of learning right now. Yeah. So I speak it. <laughs> right. And if you have a problem with that or if you define that as being racialized, you know, it, it's as silly as saying that if if somebody were, you know, a a a. a uh, a Caucasian or European individual were to speak an African dialect, which does mm. happen mm. wherever they are on the continent, that suddenly that that now makes them black. No, my my racial or phenotypical uh, uh, or phenotypical uh, uh, definition is completely mm. different than the language that I speak. Right mm. now, where am I going with this? Yes, where are you going with it? Watch this. Right. Watch this. I'm going to summarize this real quick. Yes. So if we're looking at things from uh, so first thing is first, is that you were something that was economically convenient, right? We were, it was economically convenient to keep us in a certain place. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. Our battle, therefore, has to be what? On many levels, economic. Sure. Because at the end of the day, like, so we are looking for respect when in fact respect comes with money. And how do I know this? And when I say money, I mean communal money. So communal economic. That's mm -hmm. why I do love the Killer Mike show because he gets to the heart of the issue, which is we don't have you can. I've never seen to this day, and I don't want to, you know, belabor the point about celebrating other communities. But I have to this day not seen a Asian or Jewish march on anything. Yet, I see one percent of the global population, which is the Jewish people, mm -hmm. who control a vast amount of the world's wealth, 
they may not like that. They may, that may, you know, people were talking about conspiracy theories and, you know, elders of Zion. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just looking at the facts. All right. <laughs> elders of Zion, you <laughs> No, I'm just, I'm just keeping it real because some people may like, oh my God. People may hear their show and be like, oh, it's anti Semitic because he just stated a simple fact that, and in fact, it should be taken as a compliment. Look at Jay Z. He just got, he just got heat because, or no, it wasn't Jay Z. Who was it that yeah, quoted? Was it Jay Z? Mm-hmm. Or and LeBron James. Yeah. And LeBron James, yeah. He's getting heat for stating a fact. Like, what are we talking about here? We're being silly. I'm not I'm not saying that all people that are of Jewish descent control all the money or there's a worldwide plot, but I'm stating a fact. You have 1% of the world's population that if I were to look at from uh, academia, business, entertainment, and so on and so forth, they have high ranks in those industries. That's something, something to be ashamed of, and I don't want it to be labeled as such. And they've and they've done this uh, was so brilliant too, and then when you point out something that's totally visually obvious, they they do this uh, Jedi mind trick. They say, "No, it's not true. It's not <laughs> true." And it's like, "But it I'm is true." Yeah, and, 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 and it's and it, and it's and there's nothing wrong with it, and and you should be comfortable with that, right? And I'm not right. I'm not ascribing to them a plot to take over the world, but let's keep it real. Like it is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Now, and it's the same. But again, same thing with the Chinese community, right? I'm not. I'm not seeing out them out here marching. I just see them out here buying up Markham. So I don't know. <laughs> let's let's keep it focused for a minute, right? So now, now I just. So that's my first thing is is the economic import the importance of viewing things from a, a communal economic standpoint. The second thing, to what you're saying, you know, um, you you were talking about history. I think a second ago, uh, Curtis. Yes, you know, I did. Absolutely. Like I mean, here's the thing, though. Right. And, and, and I've, I've often heard these terms like our history has been hidden from us and, our, and so on and so forth. And I hear that. And that is very true. However, whose job is it to fix that? Us. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, and I'm not saying that you said otherwise, but I just want to right. make that a state that for the record, because yeah. I think sometimes a lot of like I, I was somebody who they were setting up a school here in, in, in Toronto and I wasn't I wasn't here at the time. They were setting up a school here uh, for uh, that was going to be under the under the uh, sort of the, the, the guys or the, the control rather of the TDSB in Toronto. And it was, you know, a, a black school. And I'm like, wait a second. At what point does your adversary slash oppressor create something for you? What are we doing here? Create your own. Yeah. Fund it yourself. And I had, you know, I, I, I was like, here, I got 10 G's. Who's with me? I was on all over social media. No one. I think I got one person who responded who said that they had five G's to help. I can't create a school on 15 G's. But the biggest thing is that the biggest thing, family, is the mindset that you would think that's okay. Because today it may be okay and the curriculum's okay, but let's fast forward 15 years. What are they teaching them? Exactly. And that's that's the main thing that I got from the Killer Mike um, documentary. So, like, when he, he basically was trying to buy black, the thing that was very flagrant about that is the fact that we don't own nothing. Yes. So, so basically, so, exactly. So, so what that means is that, it, like, as in past conversations, we have to then now empower our children with, with, with basically the knowledge to want to own things yes. and not be owned. So that was the, the, the main thing that was sticking out. And the thing that I kind of re- want to really re- touch on again is there seems to be like, like um, a description that's fitting for black. Because when you sit back and you just look at the word black, is I see this language is very important and yes. it's very, um, there's like, there's, there's a lot of things. So white, and black, so black is be lack. So basically, like, that means that you are being ascribed to lack. 
<laughs> Everyone, Canada has free weed. You can like you can smoke weed here freely. Clearly, <laughs> Michael is on the deepest level here. He's breaking, <laughs> I'm he's breaking this shit down for y'all. Letters. <laughs> and, but honestly, honestly, but the, truth. Like, speaking, so um, be like because I like, see that is a, a construct that was given to me, like, like a group of people that were kings and were coming here. So the thing is that when you you look at roots that 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 show. The, the part that I used to kind of basically um, bring my point is when he had to break him yeah, from Toby, mm -hmm. from Kunta Kente to, be, to, to becoming Toby. Yeah. So he's basically mm -hmm. telling him he lacked, to, to basically lack his identity. And right. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so it was like, like language is very important. Like, and we're speaking that yeah. English language. So, so we, we were basically enslaved and, and brought here and given a different language, but you don't understand what you're speaking properly, like the, like the mm -hmm. actual group of words. So like they when like the reason why people like everything that's associated with blackness is basically like bad is because they're telling you that you're going to be lacking. So it's, it's like we're, and us we're fighting so hard to make it work, and it shows to basically it shows us our behaviors and like our um, resilience and strength as people. Now, when it comes to basically when it comes to um when it comes to basically like us as humans, like the reason why you see some be like people like um like having european tendencies is because you got to find a tribe it's, it's a mindset rather it, it goes beyond the skin at times even though they've grouped us as basically like, as, as skin colors this is where like i'm coming to understand some people have your skin color but like like what's the pain of lace skin? my skin folk ain't my kin folk and see like that it it, it it plays way back into um back into the days when like our ancestors were back in africa because back then it used to be tribalism that that was like the side factor between like to divide us. So they understand that, and 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 coming here and like basically stripping that away from those folks and giving them like a new identity as you be like all you guys, you guys are gonna lack. Like they're going to know how to work certain groups of people, certain mindsets, certain tribes as to what they want. And over, like, over here is like money, capitalism has been the main driving factor. Mm -hmm. Like it's very deeply rooted. Back in Africa, like we we are very we have a lot of resources and stuff. We have gold, diamonds, and whatnot. And these are things that, as a man or as a human being, we are attracted to these things. So, go ahead. Go ahead. So basically, we're attracted to these things. And so nowadays, like we are so focused nowadays that we've been introduced like a new type of gold, and it's uh, capitalism, money. Go, 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 grind for that money, get that paper. But along the way, a lot of people kind of lose themselves as to who they are as, as people because you're trying to basically get that money to survive. You're trying to basically get a lot of it. It's like a, it's like along with stripping that of uh, the identity, is they, they they gave us basically like something to strive for as well, and we, we, we didn't start off at the same leg as them. And so so let me ask you, so Mike, can and, I throw a question out at you or just a thought? So, no. so yes, certainly, you know, uh, uh, I was actually just listening to uh, um, the, um, I think it was a, the Martin Luther King ceremony for, uh, in, in Washington, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was talking. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, so she was making some comments about capitalism and socialism and so on and so forth and economic fairness and whatnot. My question mm -hmm. is, fairness like so we have a so capitalism is not is is inherently unfair it's it's born from mercantilism which is definitely yeah. about going and robbing and taking resources taking. from other nations 
to benefit the mother country, right? Mm -hmm. Which was always invariably European. My -hmm. question for you is, given that we've now, we're in this system now, and I I always like to look at things from the viewpoint of other groups. It's not just about us. We're all in this system together, right? And so then I, I can't change what I'm in. I can only change my perceptions of it, right? Until I can get to the point where I can change it. Right. So it's, okay, it's sort of yeah, like a, a two, a, stu, a two step process. You can't change it until you're in it. Kind of like Neo in the matrix. Right. Mm. So my question for you is, okay, so we've inherited this system that we're in. Yes. We were, we were in fact, when you talk about capitalism, we, we're more intimately connected to it arguably than any other group in the yeah. sense that we have literally been physical capital as a, yes. as a group of people, our, our ancestors. Mm-hmm. Um, and the system was designed to create uh, um, an asymmetric profit based on our labor, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So then, my so then, how do we? So do we do we reject that system? Because I find a lot of there's there's I sort of see two camps. Like I see there's a camp of, of black people who have sort of a socialist bent, where they're like they mm-hmm. want equality and justice and so on and so forth, and that's more like okay, we're gonna demand that the system sort of respond to us. And then mm-hmm. there's another school of 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 thought that are definitely capitalists. And I'm thinking again a lot about celebrities and so on and so forth who have done economically. They said, okay, if this is the, 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 the board game you're giving me, I'll play it and I'll master it. Right. Mm -hmm. But what I do with it now is going to be totally different than what you think. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so is there, is, is, I guess, where where do you view, (laughs) where do you view us in in, in this discussion of blackness? How, How do you, how do you sort of see that? manifesting with these two different ideas and 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 where's the conflict there how do you bring them together is there a way to bring them together so it's like um for me i actually go to the killer mike interview the part where he was talking with dj envy mm-hmm. and the there's a part where he was um, going at it with dj envy and um killer Mike's point if i remember correctly he was talking about a, a, a communal living like so a way of basically like us living together uh-huh. For me, how I see it, honestly, and being African as well, that what I've what I've witnessed, like uh, being African, and also from stories that I hear about Caribbean, is there's a sense of community. Whereas to um, let's say if, if a person like a person who, who's not capitally like um, like doesn't have a lot of capital, mm-hmm. they they might not like go hungry or not have a place to stay. They can have a place to stay, get food and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, so that type of system. It does exist. So now that I mean, like, what can you do? Like, what what can I do? Like, like this kind of makes you going back to the old financial system that used to exist before, like, like the current one is like, what can you do that 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 you could bring to the table? Mm. Now, us as basically like as black people now, <laughs> like we, have, I'll be saying it like that whole time, black. But um, <laughs> us, and nobody's gonna want to say they're black after exactly, that. Exactly, right? You know, you don't want to like. I'm not black. <laughs> but. <I'm not> black. <laughs> But but the thing is, us as people, like in being here, we have acquired knowledge on how they build this system as well. And and I believe that, like, so what black is going to look like in in the future, or what us as people are going to look like, what Africans are going to look like in the future, mm-hmm. that with this knowledge that we we're able to see from them, we have these professionals, we have um, people that are professors, you have an administrator, you have uh, athletes, you have people that that can do all sorts of professions. Mm. So if we come together, like, like, like I think you talked about it, proximity. If we basically like, find people that, that look like us mm-hmm. and we, we see what 
we each bring to the table, I think by focusing on basically like what we could give each other, right away, it, it cuts a lot of what we need from them out of the, like the picture. So, so we see like right there and there. No, I was just Pro provide for so. What you're talking about makes me think. You know, are we all going towards the same goal? No, mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. Right. And <laughs> clearly, we're not all going towards the same goal. Yeah. Um, right. Social economic right. status has a lot to do with that, but at the same time, the educational part of that socioeconomic status is to teach you how to be like our oppressor. Yes. So, if we are trying to decolonize our minds then what does that look like once it's done? What are, we, what are we decolonizing to? Drum roll, please. Can I throw <laughs> something at you? Tell all me. right. So first of all, you, you come now to the whole thing. So let's go back again to Curtis, what he's talking about with history. And we're talking about schools and we're talking about economics. Every, and Mike said it, and Boogie said it quite right. <laughs> right? Which is this business of what are we teaching our children? There is, I, I want to say something. There has never been a revolution that never concerned itself with children. Hitler had Hitler youth for a reason. When you look at the Communist man Manifesto and sort of the way that that was, was developed and marketed, it, everything is a marketing scheme, right? At the end of the day, we have a narrative. Whatever your narrative is, you're going to popularize it, especially among the young people. Why? Because that has to have life for the next 20 years in order to really hold weight. The adults, they may or may not want to participate. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you have revolution, what has happened? Let's look at history in the communist revolution, the Bolshevik revolution. You kill the adults, you keep the young people, you educate the young and indoctrinate them. And then mm -hmm. what ends up happening? It manifests for the next 20 to 40 years. And mm -hmm. so that gives us some life. We're trying to, in some way, create a revolution. But it's more of an evolution of a people that's peaceful and global. Disparate groups, disparate languages, disparate cultures under the one thing, which is that we all have this same melanin. Right. Mm. And we all have this shared history. So my question is, OK, so then how do we how, to what you said? So we're, we're not all we're not all say, singing from the same hymn book. I didn't even bring up the whole business of religion. All right. So how do you do this? How does that manifest? Well, what whatever you're teaching your children is going to manifest in the next 20 years. Are your children doing business with each other, meaning that they are regularly meeting other children that look like them in a supportive environment? I'm not talking about Sunday school or in a religious context, but I'm because that does happen every Sunday. But I'm and not just at school, but in another context that says you are greatness. This is your history. This is what you're here to celebrate. And this is the mission. Where are we giving them the mission? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to throw something at you. There's a quote from John Henry Clark, who's, you yeah. know, my father, right? <laughs> not, not, not literal, but spiritual father. Like I grew mm -hmm. up listening to this man. And he said here, you know, to what you're talking about with socialism, uh, in these African communal societies, and he's just talking about, he was sort of, as he became, as he began studying African history and, and, and different cultures, and he realized that there was a commonality to what you were saying, Mboogie, about the business of supporting each other. He started to see that was a thing everywhere on the continent. He said, mm -hmm. In these African communal societies where each got according to his needs, were not accepted, were not copied uh, from Europe because they existed before there was a Europe. Mm -hmm. In these societies, based on the concept of the family and the community, everyone in the society had a responsibility. Big word for me. In these societies, there was no word for jail because no one had ever gone to one. Yep. No word for orphanage because no one had ever thrown out any children. 
-hmm. No word for old folks home because no one would ever have thrown away grandma and grandpa. Mm -hmm. So we already have our answers. It's who we, we are the answer we're looking for, as they say, yeah? Mm-hmm. And my thing is, our deeper values, our deeper respect for ancestors, regardless of whether you're coming from Christian or Santeria Obia, I don't care where you are in the religious spectrum. <laughs> Or atheist. No, but I'm saying that is something that is. That's facts. Yeah, that's deeply in us that we have a deep respect for our ancestors, right? That's Mm -hmm. cultural, right? That's in the DNA of an African person. So I don't, you know, again, you can take it to either extreme, but we have to give that life. We can't keep walking away from who we are. And we certainly can't wear this other guy's clothes. So Mm -hmm. to me, I say to the European, thank you very much for the lesson learned. This past 400 years has been very interesting. (laughs) Okay. However, however, I think I want to tell a slightly different tale for the next 400. Mm -hmm. I'll start with my kids. And what I'm going to tell them is my own narrative about their ancestors and how they have to make them proud and how, and how, and how, and then, and you know, how you must support your community economically, what that looks like and so on and so forth. If we don't do that, because right now we have other options. Mm -hmm. We got you can let the rap industry teach your kids what to do and and they will be doing that anyways mm-hmm. okay and it's not all going to be jay-z with 444 it's not mm-hmm. going to be right <laughs> it's going to be and i had this conversation earlier on today which was the, the 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 conflict in the rap community is on one side it's i want to bay up and babe up with my homie and on the next side i want to kill everybody in the neighborhood that's that's a recipe for for genocide so, mm-hmm. and I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, you know people say, oh, are you being homophobic? No, 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 no. I'm just being honest here. Let's look at it for what it is. It's either I want to bay up with all my homies or I want to mm-hmm. kill everybody that looks like me. Please show me how that's supposed to be supportive of black families and black economic mm-hmm. uh, 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 upliftment. Please. And then you show you're right. You have to look at like the powers that be that that's pushing that. So there's a lot of at, at play here. That's why also like the question that, that um. Yeah. I ask as well, how will blackness look like in uh, 400 years? Will there be a, a blackness in 400 years? And I mean, like for me, I, I, I say that um, when I said the white, white is a new black, that is basically like, just look at society, what is going on, just um, mm-hmm. the roles and, and the, the roles that basically like were generally attributed to one group, is, it seems to be kind of shifting. And along with that, the, 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 to our conversation from last week, there seems to be this great gender divide that's going on. So if there is a, a gender divide that has been implemented within our mindsets, then like, if we're not together, there they they, most likely will not be black people in 400 years from now. And basically that's when, when white is new black, that's when reparations will, will occur. Then, hey, let's spit on those poor black people for like what they've suffered. That's that already happened. There was oh yeah. Joke. You hear about the guy, this white man, who said he is born again African, African. and he mm-hmm. applied for money that 500, was desi- five hundred thousand dollars as designated to a black man, <laughs> and he got it. Mm-hmm. So and you're going to hear more of these stupid stories. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> because there's trans everything. Mm-hmm. Like you can be whatever. I saw a white man saying that he was uh, a Filipino, Filipino. woman. <laughs> so it, it's almost like it's it's um it's a mockery. It's mockery. Because that's when you have to look at the word. Like, 
Curtis, we'll get you the blessing. You have to look at the word black, white, and everything. Those labels that they, they, they slap, they, they're just showing you how that could be just wiped off and changed like that. You know what? I'm trans this. I'm because I'm feeling this way. I am beyond this now. So that, can I say something? That That's be. been the whole agenda of this intersectionality, a word I strongly resist. I don't care, <laughs> I don't care who's offended or pissed off. I'm <laughs> wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait, wait. Why do you? Why is that offensive? Why is intersectionality? Let me explain. Let me explain something to you. Every, in my opinion, mm -hmm. and again, this is only my opinion. Mm -hmm. All right, intersectionality essentially has become a a a, uh, a ghettoization of oppressed groups against a singular oppressor, which is the heterosexual white male. Yeah. Everybody has beef with him. Okay, <laughs> now, okay, fine. I'll 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 let you have that one. But here's the problem: my issues are very different than that guy's issues or her issues or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then there may be some commonality there, but I have a specific economic issue that needs redress. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the problem is that it ends up diluting my issue Absolutely. amongst other issues because Absolutely. it now is become part of a collective moaning and groaning against heterosexual white males, which Absolutely. does what? It creates now an environment where you do get the Trumps and the Fords and the rest of it because there's a backlash, rightfully so. Because if I was a heterosexual white male who was ignorant in, in my ways, I didn't know. And all of a sudden, I'm just being attacked by all these groups. It's just like, well, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was just born with a penis and a little less melanin. What, what's, what's going on out here? Don't right? tell me. <laughs> so I'd be, I'd be kind of pissed off myself, right? Straight, straight up. You know, it, there's, there's no white child that was born today. That's, that's what... God that's damn, I can't wait to be an oppressor. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's the same thing that Dr. Clark Anderson was saying is what you just mm. said, um, uh, Fax. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he said the same thing you said, um, that uh, these different groups, you know, um, uh, even for the women who are considered uh, minorities, white women, I should say, yeah. minorities, all of these different uh, uh, groups that are broken up, that transsexual, the trans, whoever, whoever they yeah. are, they will eventually, uh, uh, as uh, facts had mentioned, break away or at least uh, dilute the whole, you know, this, let's just say this, this pie or this, this, yeah. whatever the, the, the funding that was supposed to go to certain groups or uh, oppressed groups and things of that nature. So he, he mentioned the same thing. But I want to go back to kind of my comment. And I, I've, been, I've been saying kind of the whole time I've here, been here is that um, history, I think that whether we're going to, uh, uh, whether, we're, whether we're going to buy up our, uh, our community, whether we're going to uh, know what direction we need to go uh, when we do get the money or take hold of the capital, I'm going to always, for me personally, just my view, always going to go back to history because, again, for me, looking at, this, looking at my situation right now uh, in this space uh, of working online, being in a digital space, I don't know anybody in this space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so my point is, to bring that up, is that I've had to learn from other people mm -hmm. in this space. Mm -hmm. And how much more, if we understood, again, pre-slavery, going back to where Blacks were, had universities, had uh, countries, owned entire countries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If we, if we can study them much in the same, because uh, up, up to this point, we don't have it. We don't, I mean, we've, we've had what, I mean, I guess it depends on who, who you idolize, but Jesse Jackson, a few other people, Martin Luther King, uh, 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 Malcolm X, uh, uh, Louis, uh, uh, Louis Farrakhan, we've had icons like that. I have nothing against them, but even on a greater level, even on a greater level, and I said earlier, uh, 
my my conversation with God I was like, well, God, how? Why is it that they hate us? Not that I care. Fair, fair. Oh, let me let me. I just want to clarify that. Not that I care whether they hate me. That's not my business. Okay, but I needed to know how to. I needed to know why they hated me, so mm. that that why was the empowerment that I needed. Mm. That why is the thing that empowers me, and without the power. You can't do anything. You can't, you, you when you get the money, uh, or not just uh, speaking in general, when we get the money, we'll buy tennis shoes, we'll buy, uh, try to try to buy lunch for everybody, and you know, try, you know, all this ridiculous stuff. Mm-hmm. We're not buying up the cities. But the only way I can know what my I for me, uh, uh, uh personally, I didn't grow up with my biological father. Mm-hmm. Okay. But even though I didn't grow up with my bi- biological father, I know that there are brothers out there, brothers and sisters out there that I can learn from by studying them, mm-hmm. looking, reading history, learning from them. Now that I've been, uh, uh, now I think uh, or as, as black people, we have been, uh, I, I think for a reason, God has allowed this, mm-hmm. that we may learn from the oppressor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we also need history that we may learn that we were kings and queens and then take that information, couple together, and we can get out of it. We can change it. And you know what? Actually, I'm to like, tag along with what you're saying. I guess when you bring the God aspect into it too, like I can, um, I can see what you're saying in a sense where learn from your oppressors. And I think African, African like um, Americans that are, that are here and African Caribbeans, I find that by, um, by us being here together now, it gives us uh, a place of commonality where um, we can basically come together and create a new narrative. Because yes, because if you basically l- 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 if you're being real, let's say we so we we come together and we basically um, overcome. We shall overcome. We overcome. Then basically, like, what happens next? Because like there becomes an issue of like uh, finding the tribe. Because that uh, you mentioned you 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 like basically things in the IT field and whatnot. And some people will have divergent views. So mm-hmm. with that mindset, we have to also foreplan as to what is going to happen after like the great black revolution. We, we, we basically come back. What is, what is the aftermath? What is going to occur? And, and I think um, for me personally, I believe that uh, the people in, in, in um, North America and Caribbean blacks should basically be able to still be over here in North America and, and not everybody move back to Africa. I mean, it could be considered Africa, but it gives us much more of an economic advantage and strength if we have access to Jamaica, like the Caribbean, and like, and listen, we stay where we are, but just basically, like, uh, to fact's point, work our proximity to our, our advantage. Basically, work amongst our, ourselves and build ourselves up, and then basically create like an economic, um, strong, like, stronghold like that. Because right now, like, we. Blackness, mm. blackness is losing, and I, I don't, uh, I don't want to say that we are not black because that's like that's a label that they've attached to us. We are kings and queens. I'm before. There you go. I'm, 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 be, I'm, be, I'm beautiful. <laughs> be, I'm, I'm, <laughs> and, and and so like I think that what you call it is like getting back to that narrative of kings and queens. What that basically does for us is that. It allows us to see where we want to be at, and and, and and along with that too, like uh, the facts points, teaching our children how we would like for them 
that you connect? So what is, what is it that, that your child, like, what tools are you giving your child to be, to be a owner or be, you know, to hold something, something in, like, the years to come? That is what we focus on. But to, 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 to your point further, is that if we recognize that we were kings and queens, again, this is what... The schools have been teaching us slavery. Slavery, 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 slavery. That's all we hear. <clears throat> Excuse me. And unless you've enrolled in uh, secondary education or a, a, a college level, you may hear obviously something different. I would hope so. But my point of it is that up to a point, most most black people, at least in the states, that I should would, would suspect, is that they've heard slavery, slavery, slavery. But just think, if we knew who we were post-slavery, we would talk to our, man, I'm trying to tell you, man, we would talk to our children different. But, but, and I agree with you. Can I, can I throw something at y'all? Because I just want to say something. I read a book many years ago called um, The Rescue of Jerusalem. Highly recommended. I tell everybody. I, I cried after I read it. What, what's, what's the name of it? The book is called The Rescue of Jerusalem. And I'll tell you a sad story. It's written by a guy who, a, a white gentleman, he was a, um, a journalist at the Montreal Gazette, had adopted a, a, a black child, mm -hmm. and he did what he wanted to do for all of his kids, because he had uh, kids previously. And he wanted to find heroes that looked like his child, and he couldn't. So he goes on this journey to sort of untangle, well, where are the black people in history? And he runs into the same thing you're talking about there right now, Curtis, which is the slavery, slavery, slavery. And he's like, well, there's a little bit of history here. So who are these people? He begins to, to research and finds out that, uh, I'll, I'll summarize and say, King Taharqa, which is the, um, uh, the, a pharaoh in Egypt in, I believe, the 500s or so BC, was instrumental in rescuing uh, Israel from certain destructions by the Assyrians. Now, why is this important? First of all, I read this book and I cried. I put the, I, it's the only book I ever closed the cover and I just started to weep wow. because it was the first time I saw people that look like me, indisputable, yes. black African people mm. who were, and, and the, the joke is, Taharqa is the only pharaoh that's actually named in the Bible. So I was raised in a, in a, in a Christian home and I'm like, mm -hmm. how did I miss that? How come no minister ever mentioned that one? Mm -hmm. And here I am flipping until I see it. And it was, I, it was shocking. Mm -hmm. So my point being is our, our you know, here's another little quick thing that I just found out the other day that in the, I think it was the 1830s, mm -hmm. somewhere about there, uh, uh, European surgeons saw uh, uh, Africans in South Africa from everywhere from South Africa to Uganda performing C-sections. Now, this is an advanced medical procedure, right? If you study the history of C-sections, it's literally right there in front of you. So again, it's the, 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 the evidence is there. The stuff is there. But the question is, if we want to keep regurgitating the same story, that's why I reject all this slave talk. Because it's like, okay, yeah, interesting chapter. However, I've got a very long history that I got to talk about, right? I, I've got warrior queens like a Manatari that I've got to talk about. I've yes. got the richest man in the world. A Mansa Musa worth the equivalent of four hundred billion dollars today to talk about. Jeez. I've got a lot to talk about, so I don't need to talk about that stuff. You see what I'm saying? Yes, yes. yes. So, it, so again, we got to go back to this business of, of, of it, it, to what you said, and I think you were so so spot on when you said that. Which is how differently would we speak to our children? Absolutely. And I and I see how different I am with my own sons. The things that I bring to them. That you know, 
I have, I, you know, I, I only, I don't celebrate what I'll call Western or colonial holidays. So I don't mm -hmm. do Thanksgiving and Christmas and not yada, yada. Like I celebrate my own heroes, right? Because the, the very meaning of a holiday is to reinforce a cultural norm. So why would I reinforce Thanksgiving where my Aboriginal brothers and sisters were slaughtered? I don't, I'm not, I don't participate mm -hmm. in that, right? Your choice, I'm not judging nobody for it, but it's just not, that's just not my thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So my whole thing is, is, okay, so how do we change the conversation? What are we going to teach our kids? Teach the kids the truth. Try that. We'll start with that. Teach the kids right? the truth. And you also mentioned about, um, and we're going to wrap up soon, just just to put that out there, mm -hmm. and continue on to other Blackness-like conversations in the next episode. Mm -hmm. But I think it was you who said, what are we going to do after mm -hmm. uh, we get there? Mm -hmm. And it's this whole idea of getting there mm -hmm. that is actually quite elusive. Mm -hmm. We will never get there because um, mm -hmm. there's no there to get. And we only have this present moment. And so mm -hmm. what do we want to do presently, right now, that is going to get us somewhere different than we are right now? And, and as we know, it's not going to be a homogenous approach. Mm -hmm. So we have to start thinking about, yes, we need to teach our children. Um, and not necessarily, yes, we came from kings and queens, and we may never understand fully where we mm -hmm. came from. And we have to accept this. Um, sure. Just define what it is that we want now. What are we taking from what we understand and building as a foundation for us to move forward? Um, and that's what I take from my children. I try every day to decolonize their minds, to decolonize my mind. But like you said about our language, all of these things are a part of what we're living in. So mm -hmm. I'm trying to create a different environment for how I'm living, but I'm also acutely aware of the society by which I have to, um, to operate in. Mm. When my son wants to see Santa Claus or he wants the whole family to come over for Thanksgiving, it's kind of like, how do I then appropriate that, that to reflect something that I want to celebrate within my home? Right. That things that are important to me and how I see the people. Um, but we don't all think that way. And so we also have to stop. I know we have to accept people for where they are. There's a lot of talk about, you know, don't bring that negativity around me or I don't want to be around that person because they're this or they're that. Mental illness is a real problem in the black community. And it manifests itself in different ways. And we have to start to learn how to define from somebody who's bad-minded from somebody who's struggling. And mm -hmm. not alienate the person who is struggling because it comes up like they have a negative thing around them. But really, they don't know how to articulate what's happening to them. And the further we place that person alone, the more pain they're going to be in and the more pain our community will stay in. So there are bad-minded people. And yes, you need to stay away from them. But if you know someone's not in their, even if their behavior is seemingly bad, you have to know the heart of that person mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and to know that that person is not really coming for you in a way that is to make you fall. So yes, define the boundaries, live within those boundaries, but just love on one another. Mm -hmm. um, be empathetic. Mm -hmm. um, also, oh, also, I wanted to say too about those, there's some people we just got to write off too. Have you ever seen um, this movie called um, they live, right? Where you got to put on the sunglasses to see the uh, the aliens, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
There's some black people that you can put you can put them glasses on them. They'll see it and they just won't see it. So you just gotta toss them to the side of the road. Wait, as I see, this is like a cool thing. So I want to add to this. That's one. just an elephant, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> that is a, you get the elephant right there. But uh, like uh, one thing I want to add to is like um, it just really hit me too. When when we talk about languages and um, even in regards of the aspect of me- mental health. And um, th- this is going to be for a future conversation as well. But in regards to mental health, one thing that I'm, I'm realizing and see, when we trace our lineage back to the tribalism and, and everything, everything is a different language, different frequency that we're on. So mm-hmm. now my, my lenses have been opened to the fact that, you know what, it's not necessarily somebody's sick. Because, see, there's, there's one perspective that the world views things by. Yeah. And they may be experiencing something completely different. And we, right. we may not be speaking the same language. Mm-hmm. And so, like, in, in that sense, like, it is okay to basically uh, it, like, try as best as you can to, to understand. But if you can't, do not kill yourself. And basically, mm-hmm. like, like, do not kill yourself to trying to and, and them as well. So, like, I think it's with further understanding and empathy, like, we can basically um, overcome. And we, we, we are suffering, especially, like, black people. I think a lot of people who are labeled black, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to really work my language to get that. That, that 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 correct, but uh, a, a lot of basically like our people because of the experience that, that our, our ancestors went through, we have been traumatized, whether you know it or not. Mm-hmm. Like, trauma has been passed on down to you because either like an absent father or just different scenarios that basically causes you to behave in certain ways. So that like like that being said, there's so much mental. Um, intergenerational like, in, trauma. Exactly, intergenerational trauma is that, that's occurring. So yes, empathy has to be there, and you, you may be here with somebody from a different tribe, like that you guys don't even know, like back in the ancestral like days. So just mm. empathy, and you know, I, I, I think I think also in addition to what you just said there, um, that that's just uh, you mentioned earlier a few times that in regards to just the power of words and uh, mm-hmm. how important language is, mm-hmm. and that. Um, in fact, that uh, when we speak words, I, I've been, you know, my, my time with God, I've been working on something and, and just reading a scripture that uh, says that uh, God is a spirit. And yeah. they that worship must worship in the spirit and truth. And um, I think when we truly understand that, I'm not talking about religion, I'm not talking about wearing white, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> cross, crossing your heart and all that stuff or, you know, none of that nonsense. I'm not talking talking about any of that i'm just talking about having a relationship mm-hmm. and then um uh that's the power of me you know like you said earlier about the importance of words and understanding how how words are important and how that they are either uh infective or uh, effective mm-hmm. uh, on the outside or are affecting us on the inside either way there's there's a there's a burden there's a, there's a weight that everything that we speak or don't speak, or something that we don't do, there's a burden that comes with it. Mm-hmm. And because it carries a burden, we find ourselves uh, speaking things, saying things that we think are just, oh, that's nothing. But in fact, it is something. There's a weight, there's a burden that comes with it. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier about the mental disorder, mental disease, and yeah. things of that thing, that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Because words are weight. Words are actually, a, you know, the Bible says that the word is alive. Because it is alive, it carries something with it, and that something is a spirit. Yes, exactly. exactly. And because it carries that spirit, it will have a person from, as, as a gentleman just said earlier, uh, 
uh, from generation to one gener from one generation to the next generation. And here we are acting out something that that had nothing to do with us, but nevertheless, it's been placed in our lap. And so we have to figure out how to uh, uh, how to uh, or we have to take a responsibility for it. And if need be, go back in history. Mm -hmm. Check out where it came from. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Retrace it. And then we can and then we can heal. Mm -hmm. But until then, you know, this is what we're dealing with. Yeah. And, and um, I think uh, so. Like now, we're just gonna um, wrap it up. So, but before we do that, I just want to give each individual, like, um, if you have any way of people contacting you or any last words, just um, if you wanna plug it in, um, Curtis, do you have any um, social media or, or any uh, anything to add? Uh, well, uh, mostly this uh, for me uh, again. Curtis Brooks is my name. Uh, mostly for me, it's um, uh, digital marketing. I don't normally uh, chime in in conversations like this, but it's been actually uh, uh, definitely enjoyable. Definitely enjoyable. Uh, but uh, you can reach me on uh, uh, Facebook mostly. Curtis Brooks Media Productions on Facebook. Curtis Brooks Media Productions. Yeah. Okay, and and also like um, I actually want to encourage like all you guys that are in this in this room, if you if you could um also add your your, your social media information because um I believe that in order for, for us to heal to kind of add to facts points, um proximity is very very important. So like whenever I go into spaces now, I try to basically leave all my contacts and so we can connect that. I don't know who you know and you don't know who I know. But if right, we come right. together, we right. can network and you know build from there. So like um. They, they yeah, just add it. Exactly. What's up next week? So next week, so like going along with the series of that we're doing this month about identity. So today was the self eyewear, as I mentioned early. So like the location eyewear. So next week is going to be the self eyewear, as in respectability politics. Um, the the mask, the different masks that we put on to belong in this world and to survive. So like um next week, the same time from three p.m. to four p.m. <laughs> or, or or more four forty two. I want to I want to say uh, um, this has been an honor to be a part of this show. You guys always do great content, even though this is your second you. show. So you're you're two for you're two for two. Um, so uh, um, great great show, and thank you so much, Curtis, for uh, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having. And stuff you can follow me at Kente F, and tomorrow we'll be doing uh, Men and Women Talk to Mars Venus show. Uh, we'll be doing it through YouTube uh, live. So, uh, if you're following us on Facebook, we'll hit you guys up. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, cannabis. Ooh. So, you have Canadians in the room, <laughs> you know what? Maybe we need a couple of Canadians, Canadians. You guys, uh, especially because yeah. I know in the comments you were talking about um, as a business and as the health. Facts has so many mm -hmm. things to oh, add yeah. about the business of cannabis. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. Come on, come on through, then. Yeah, he knows a lot about that. the business of cannabis. Yeah, facts about the business. Is he still there? No, they, I think oh no. He's he's not, not, he's not, 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 so yeah, I'll yeah, connect yeah, you guys yeah. because he. I mean, he has a wealth of information about almost everything. <laughs> that's why we call him facts. None but facts. That's why we call him. Facts. But in terms of the health benefits of of cannabis, you know, really follow the the strand the strain of CBD and the lower THC, and you will get to why they would legalize weed in Canada, mm -hmm. um, and the real health benefits of that that particular kind. Um, 
And they must have something in mind because they wouldn't have legalized it if it wasn't about to make them a shitload of money. So <laughs> they're just looking for a way to control it in the U.S. on that yeah, national right. level. <laughs> but um, you guys know already in California, you already know what it is out there anyway. McKinsey. Yeah, the IG, what, what IG stuff? Like um, verbally saying because they go. I think we also have to say verbally because we might not. If you are basically watching the repost, then you might not see the comments. But um, oh. follow us on um, Instagram at the Elephant Room TV. Uh huh. And and um, from Miss Wade, yours <laughs> is mine. Is this is La Wade on IG? If uh, you want to catch me on Twitter, it's at La Wade Six. The six is for the six, Toronto. Um, and Mike? Uh, so I am Mike underscore truth. So M-I-C as in Charles underscore truth, T-R-U-T-H. That's on Instagram. And uh, and also I think tonight, uh, you usually do a show on um, Sunday as well. Right? I do, but today it's not going on. But I, okay. I am a part because, I, you know, I'm an older <laughs> woman that just happens Can't to tell. love it. <laughs> 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 but... Um, it's called All Our Own, and it's for Generation X women. I'm, I'm here with my millennial brother right here. Squad. <laughs> keeping me relevant, keeping me in the know. Um, like, I don't remember. What was the name of that dude, Kinte, that was telling me, you got to just put yourself in there and try something new every day. So my, my millennial friends keep me relevant. <laughs> You're Generation X. <laughs> anyway, I just personally, and so, and I'm sure Mike feels the same way. We want to give a big shout out to our producer, Kinte. Yes. Um, you know, this is something that I've wanted to do for a long time, and I'm just really grateful that we've connected on this platform. Mm -hmm. And now look at all the great things that are coming about from it. Mm -hmm. um, look out for town halls in your neighborhood. If there are, if you're in a city where you think that you would like the Elephant Room to come and facilitate mm -hmm. a conversation live. We are more than willing to come across the country and do that, mm -hmm. cross the border, anything mm -hmm. we need to do mm -hmm. to reach you and have these important conversations and to also galvanize the supports that are in your community mm -hmm. because maybe people are not aware of what is there for support. Yes. Um, what is it? Canadian Fest in here? <laughs> yeah, Luke is funny. Yo. Luke, I like, I, Luke, I like Luke. He's an ally, <laughs> as uh, Trigger Mike would say. <laughs> Wait a minute, but uh, Boogie is not really Canadian, though. That's true. Yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm right. He's one of us. He's one of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's no, actually from you know Ghana. What? I'm from Ghana. Like, I just claim Ghana. It's like, honestly, not the He was right. born in Ghana. I'm from he was Ghana. not born yeah, in the United like, States. I, I'm okay, so he's not one of them. Yeah. He's not one but of them. He's not part Boogie of Boogie is the nomad, so he's from everywhere. Yes, I've traveled a lot. <laughs> That's the yeah. Shannon, guys, all the people that came in the room. Yes. Exactly. Dre. It was great to see you, Tony, Melvin. Mm -hmm. um, we hope you will join us next week for some more enriching conversation. And, mm -hmm. you know, hit us up. Can you email us? Yes, Where can. Where can they email us? Uh, so our email address is, is the Elephant Room mm -hmm. TV at, at gmail.com. Oh, that's easy. Exactly. And yes, actually, yes, uh, Luke, you're right. Actually, like, I think I swam. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> I didn't drive. That's a long drive. Okay. But you guys, you guys were awesome. Thank you so much. And, and and honestly, we hope to reconnect uh, next week. But not at peak time. What does that mean? No. Yes, I mean Uber. Oh, I got to watch it. <laughs> it's okay. It's All okay. right, you guys. Thank you so much. As you can see, my bouncing back in the Have a good week. Peace out. Bye. Great show. Thanks, Kinte. Did you tape it? Mm -hmm.
Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you gotta hit stop record. <laughs> stop. <laughs>